0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. It's the Easter season coming upon us. In a few weeks, we'll celebrate Easter Sunday. Um, Every year, there are certain themes I love to preach on around Easter. Sometimes I preach them. Sometimes I preach them again and refresh them. Because I know each and every one of you remember word for word everything I have preached in the past. Amen. I can't even remember what I preached last week. Although I have to tell you. Raymond Keller came up to me one Sunday and he stood there and he said, Pastor, and he took me through about eight weeks worth of messages. And I'm like, you are my favorite person. I mean, he was giving me titles. He was telling me what I preached about. And I'm like, this is a man of God. (laughs) But uh, I'm gonna, um, I love to preach sometimes around Easter on the empty strips of linen found in the tomb. I think there's a profound message there about the the priesthood of Jesus. Uh, The face cloth that's, is left there. I think the Holy Spirit takes time to mention these things for a specific reason. I I love to preach on the seal on the inside is greater than the seal on the outside. I love that whole message where, where the Romans had put a seal across the tomb. The only problem was the seal on the inside, because the Bible tells us that Jesus was sealed with the Holy Spirit. And how many know the seal on the inside, the Holy Spirit is greater than the seal on the outside. And, And there's a powerful message there. And so there's so many different messages around easter but today i want to revisit uh, a part of a narrative that is familiar with a lot of us um i want to revisit the garden for a moment the the garden of gethsemane that garden moment where, where jesus found himself right before being betrayed and and i want to talk to you about a garden moment now, a garden moment is not a place but a garden moment is a time it's, it's a moment in your life. And I don't know about you, but if you've been alive on earth very long, you probably have had a garden moment of your own. If not, I'm going to say you probably will have one someday. It, it gives us a glimpse. When you look at the garden and Jesus in the garden, it gives us a great glimpse of the humanity of Jesus. Remember, he was fully God, fully man. When he went into that garden, he was going there saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through this. This is going to be agony. This is going to be terrible. This is going to be horrible. This is going to be painful. I don't want to go through this. It allows us to see him in his humanity and how God deals with him in his humanity. And from this, we can receive encouragement for our own garden moments. All right? So, so let me define it for you. What do I mean when I'm saying to you this morning a, a garden moment of our life, a garden moment in the life of Jesus? A garden moment is when you face the biggest challenge of your life. Anybody ever faced a big challenge in your life? One that you didn't know how you were gonna get over, get through, get around, that it was just there? A garden moment is when you bear the heaviest burden of your life. Jesus went into the garden, and he was carrying a burden. He was carrying a weight. He was carrying something that he really would rather have not carried. A garden moment is, is a moment when you simply want God to take it away. How many have ever said to God, just take this away? I'm not talking about your dogs. I've prayed it many times, and God has not answered that prayer yet. i got to tell you. <laughs> Problem is, she's prayed it too, and God still hasn't taken me away yet. Anyhow. A garden moment is that moment in your life where you face the biggest challenge of your life. You face this, this moment in your life. It's, a, it's the heaviest burden you've ever carried in your life. And it's that moment that you're saying to God, just take it away from me. Take it out of my life. Have you ever had those moments where I'm like, do I need to change my message? Okay, three of you can stay. A couple hundred of you can go. It's that moment that just say, God, take it away. It's the lowest valley of your life. This is where Jesus was. Think about it. For Jesus, he was 33 years of age. He was, you know, doing the ministry for the last three years that we can read the account of in the Gospels. People were healed. People were raised. People were empowered. People were set free. They were saved. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's pretty great stuff. Like I, I don't know about you but but like if if guys eyes are being opened and guys ears are being opened and dead people are being raised and cities are being changed I'm thinking this is awesome. And then came this moment where the point of his death, the time of his death was at hand. The moment that he was really born into the world for. Cuz how many know it wasn't the miracles that he was born into the world for. I mean he did them. But how many know he was born for the cross? He was actually born for the cross. And now came to the point of death from which he was really born into the world. The hour of death was soon upon him. All right, and so I want to take a few looks at this this morning. I don't have a real fancy keynote for you. Sometimes we can get too clever and forget the simplicity of the gospel, amen? All right, but I want to talk to you for a few moments. So Jesus goes to the garden. And let me pick it up with you. You can turn with me if you want into the book of Matthew. Let me pull it up. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them, meaning his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and watch with me. And he went a little beyond them, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, my father, if it's possible... Let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and he prayed, father, if this cannot pass away, unless I drink it, yours be done. Your will be done. Again, he came and he found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. It's like some of you this morning. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time saying the same thing once more. He then came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand and the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Let me talk to you for a few moment about the garden moment in the life of Jesus and the garden moment in our lives Sometimes okay he finds himself in this place he finds him in a place he doesn't want to be he really doesn't want to go through with this and yet he brings himself to a place and says but father it's not about me it's about you but i want to start here for a moment i want you to understand something there are times in your life where you might be going through a garden moment but how many know that garden moment might not have been caused by you Hmm? That, that it might not have been you who caused it you see you got to understand something jesus did not cause this moment but he had to bear it how many know if you caused the problem you need to bear the problem right that that if you cause it maybe you got to bear it. but you gotta understand something there are times in your life where you're facing a moment that you didn't cause jesus didn't cause it but he had to face it there are times in our lives when the moment we bear is caused by somebody else when what we're going through is caused by somebody else all right it's time that it's in those moments where maybe it's a son, maybe it's a daughter, maybe it's a husband, maybe it's a wife who left you, a husband who left you. Maybe it's a, a, a whatever it might be that it's something you didn't cause, but you got to go through it. And in those moments, what do you want to say? What do you want to say in those moments? This isn't fair. It's not fair. Anybody ever cried that out to God? Anybody ever cried out to God, it's not fair? It's not right, it's not fair. Where are you, God? You didn't have my back, God. I don't know. I don't know if you ever had something not work out the way you thought it should work out. When you're going through that moment and you'd be right, maybe saying it's not fair, but nonetheless, the moment is upon you. It's a time you may cry out, this isn't my fault. I didn't cause this. Why do I have to bear it? Oftentimes you're enduring the garden because of somebody else and not your own. But there are moments where our own decisions have caused things, right? But it's amazing to me, when you look at this scripture, you gotta understand something. Even though you didn't cause it, even though it might not be the moment you caused, listen to me for a moment, your triumph in the garden can be the triumph of somebody else. Right. You, you see, you gotta understand something. If Jesus doesn't triumph in the garden, he never triumphs on the cross, and you and I don't have victory that he won for us. If he's defeated, because how many know the temptation in the garden was to do his will and not God's will? And if he comes to that, how many know this morning that he would not have won the victory and you and I wouldn't have the victory? You see, the point is that sometimes when you get into that garden moment where you want to quit, where you want to give up, when you want to go back, you might be able to do that, but it might be at the expense of somebody else, your children. you friends. You're a pastor. You want to quit because you hit that moment where you can't bear it anymore, and you want to run. And God says, no. No. Help people walk in victory. You see, you got to understand something. It's a moment where a defeat in the garden could be the defeat for somebody else. Jesus, as a moment, is in this garden. He didn't cause it. We caused it. Our sin caused it. We were the cause of that. This garden moment is a moment of great anguish. Have you ever been in anguish? I'm not talking about they didn't have, they, they didn't have salmon down at Red Lobster. All right? I, I pulled in the other morning. We were having a staff meeting, and I thought, well, I'm going to grab eight. I'm going to grab eight breakfast sandwiches at McDonald's. I pull into the drive-thru. I... I says, the girl says, can I help you? I said, yeah, what do I want? Well, she says, well, we don't have this and we don't have this and we don't have this. I said, it pretty much narrows it down, doesn't it? I'll take sausage McMuffins with egg. Now, that was not anguish. Some people I look at, I listen to, and their anguish is pretty benign. I didn't get an extra shot of espresso in my latte this morning. That's not anguish, right? Anguish. Look at the words of Jesus. Jesus says, My soul is grieved to the point of death. Have you ever been there? Have you ever encountered that? Mark said he was distressed and he was troubled. We're talking Jesus. We're talking Jesus. How many of you think he's probably pretty emotionally stable? (laughs) All right, we're talking Jesus. Jesus. It's just moment of anguish. It's a moment of sorrow. It's a moment of heartache. It's a moment of being deeply distressed and troubled. And yet on this journey that he was going into, what does he say? Come on, my most trusted friends. Come with me. Come with me. Walk with me. He takes three even farther. He invites them to go with him. Come with me. Remain here. Keep watch with me in this moment, in this hour. He invited three of his closest friends to come with him. To watch him. To watch with him. To support him. To help him. And what does he find when he comes back? They're sleeping. How many of you ever had a spouse who's sleeping soundly and you're awake? And you just want to reach over and go, wake up too? you You're irritating me. You're asleep. You know, Penny says I keep her up sometimes when I snore. I can't believe that. I don't hear me snoring. I don't believe her. I was, I was with Pastor Troy one time. We were rooming in a hotel together. I kid you not. I'm not talking about snoring. I kid you not. I, I, we were laying in bed. He's laying his. I'm laying in mine. And we're talking about things, right? And he's laying in, And his phone goes off. It was a text. He jumps out of bed. He goes over and he checks it. And I kid you not. He come back to bed. And I'm telling you, it wasn't even a minute. He was snoring. How do you do that? I have no, I mean, I'm not even sure it wasn't 30 seconds. I never saw anybody in my life go from this to this quicker than that. I wanted to just throw water on them. Jesus says, come on, come with me. I'm in my deepest, darkest hour. I'm in great need. I'm in anguish. I'm distressed. Come sit with me and walk with me. Watch with me. I need you with me. I need your help. And they couldn't do it. I'm battling and you're sleeping. I'm battling and you're resting. The garden moment in your life is a time when others mean well. And they mean to be with you and they desire to be with you. And they will to the best of their ability. But the fact of the matter is, they can't feel it the way you feel it. They cannot experience it the way that you experience it. The urgency of your hour is not the urgency of their hour. The disciples could not possibly understand what he was going through. How could they possibly understand exactly what Jesus was going through? It would just be a matter of hours that he would be betrayed. He would begin to be beaten. He would have to endure pain, bloodshed, carry the sins of the world to the cross and die. How could they understand that? There are sometimes, there are some things that people go through that I do my best to understand, but I can't. I can't. The disciples could not possibly understand the weight that he was carrying. They could not understand the enormity of the hour. In those moments, what happens? You feel isolated. You feel abandoned. You feel betrayed. You feel resentment over those who are supposed to be your closest friends that they're going to walk with you. And Jesus keeps praying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. In that garden moment of life, no one can really go with you. In that urgency of the hour, you pretty much got to face it on your own. You couldn't stay awake for an hour? Just one hour? They couldn't do it. So Jesus keeps going back and praying. Let me tell you about the prayer in the garden. The Martin moment, the garden moment is when you pray. He's praying, "Take this from me. Take it away. I don't want this. I don't want to carry this. I find another way." You see the first prayer in the garden moment is a prayer of escape. I want out of this. I want out of this. The first prayer In the garden is, I want out of this a prayer of escape. Has anybody ever prayed for a prayer of escape? The God I want out of this, God, take this from me. God, I want to get away. I I just, just, I I can't take it no more. What's he say? Father, take this from me. I'm going to say this to you. And there's nothing wrong with praying to God for him to take away a moment that you're facing. Amen. The hell, you're no, no, no. I'll have to hear the next point first. Why would I not pray to God to rescue me and take me from something? Or take something from me? Right? There's nothing wrong with praying that. All right? There's nothing wrong for Him to take you away from that moment. The problem is when you try to create that moment. Father, I pray that you take this away from me, but because He doesn't, then you try to create it. All right? Let me give you an illustration. He says to Adam and Eve, don't eat from that tree. Okay, now they had a choice to make. They're in the garden, don't eat from that tree. Now they have a choice, my will or God's will? My will or God's will? How many know they chose their will? When they chose their will and not his will, how many know they created a problem for all of us? many know they created a problem for themselves? You, You see, if God says no, how many know it's our tendency to say yes? The temptation that comes in the garden is to forego the garden, to forego the cross, to forego death. Father, is there any other way? Take this cup from me. The second prayer in the garden is this. It's a prayer of alignment. Where Jesus says, But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And how many know the moment you come into alignment with God, you come into a place of power. When you come into a place of alignment with God, how many know you come into a place of power? It's the moment I align my prayer with his will. It's the moment I align my will with his will. Father, I don't want to do this. Take it away from me if possible, but if not, then I'm going to align myself with your will. How many of you know there's things in your life that have happened that are not God's will? You say, but wait, 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 God allows everything. Don't start that stuff with me. Don't start that stuff with me. That's a lie from the pit of hell to destroy God's people. Oh, baby. I hate that theology. I hate that garbage. It has ruined lives. My God is not a co-conspirator with evil. He doesn't tempt and he doesn't tempt people and he doesn't conspire with evil and he does not say, I'm going to allow you to be molested by somebody to bring a divine purpose into the world. That's stupid. Okay, let me tell you how I really feel. (laughs) Okay, there are things that happen that are not God's will. It was not God's will for my son to be dead at 28 years age. Just wasn't. But things happen outside of God's will all the time. Why? Because how many know he gave humanity free will? But I'll get into that whole discussion another day. The point I'm trying to make is there are things that happen all the time that are outside of God's will. I now gotta bring my, so what do I do? I'm in a situation, I'm in a garden moment. This moment wasn't God's will. How many know God has a will to take you out of it? How many know God has a will to help you through it? How many know God has a will in that moment that even though something happened against his will, how many know he has, still has a will where he can bring a divine purpose out of it if you allow him? If you'll walk with him and you'll trust him? Am I making sense? Okay. Doesn't happen often. It was the Father's will for Jesus to face the cross. It was his Father's will for Jesus to die on the cross, be buried and raised to life. Jesus faced the garden because of the will of God. But not every moment in your life is the will of God. Can I get an amen? What got you into the garden may not have been the will of God, but I can promise you that the God will help you and get you out of the garden according to his will. You see, I want you to grasp this this morning, that that you have moments in life, and I don't know where they come from, and I don't know who created them, and I don't know if it's a son, daughter, husband, wife, job, business, you name it. That you end up in a garden moment where you're deeply in anguish of soul. You grieve to the point of death, the Bible says. This is what happened to Jesus. But here's where it gets good. It gets really good. You see, you look at Jesus. He goes into the garden. And the Bible says that he's deeply Anguished. He wants his three, his three closest friends to stand with him, keep watch with him, pray with him. And they keep falling asleep on him. And he goes back the second time. He goes back the third time. The Bible says he, had, he, he was praying. And the great drops of blood come out. I mean, can you get the picture here this morning? I don't, want, I, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to experience this. Father, can you take it away from me? And he says, no. But watch what watch what happens. Let me tell you, let me let me take you in a little place real quick. All right, I'm going to show you one verse. That I want you to get some real comfort from because this is the actual point of the message today. Turn with me to the book of Luke, Luke's account, chapter 22. Now get this. Let me set it up again. Jesus in the garden, in agony, in distress, in troubled. Points of great. Blood. His 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 disciples have abandoned him basically, and he's praying for the Father to take it, and the Father's not going to take it. And he says it in verse 42 He says, "Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours. Watch this. Watch this." In verse forty three, and now an angel from heaven appeared to him to strengthen him. Let me tell you about the good news of the garden. Is that in the garden is where God comes to meet you and to strengthen you and to lift you up and to empower you to be over to overcome the moment. My God is so good. My God is so good that he sees you in that moment. He hears you in that moment. And even though the moment won't be taken away from you, he comes to you so you can overcome the moment. Are you hearing about my God this morning? Are you hearing about how good my God is? You see, the problem is some of us don't stay long enough in the garden for God to show up. Why are some of you looking so grouchy this morning, by the way? Smile, Jesus loves you. And the pastor's a goof. My God, I'm telling you about my God this morning. I don't know about your God, but my God meets me in the garden. How about your God? You see, an angel appears and strengthens him. In the greatest agony of his life, his friends couldn't stay awake. In the greatest distress of his life, his friends couldn't stand with him. In the darkest moment of his life, they couldn't stay awake. This isn't to throw stones at them. I'd probably been sleeping too. This wasn't their burden to bear. It was his. They couldn't understand what he was going through. That garden is that place where Jesus said this multiple times. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many know Jesus himself was encountering the battle between flesh and spirit? Jesus himself was in the garden battling flesh and spirit. Anybody here ever battle flesh and spirit? It's in that moment where your spirit man desires to do what is good. Your spirit man wants to be faithful. Your spirit man wants to overcome and your flesh is weak and your flesh is saying run and your flesh is saying quit and your flesh is saying give up. And God says, I'm going to strengthen you. Jesus went facing the biggest challenge of his life, carrying the heaviest burden of his life. He went looking for a way other than the one that was mapped out for him. He went into the garden looking for a way out, but at the same time, he went into the garden with a will that would bow to the will of the father. Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And what does the father do? He says, let me strengthen your spirit. do you love your God? Let me strengthen your spirit. I see you. I know you. I made you. I formed you. I shaped you. I intricately know you. I'm here to help you. I will empower you. I will lift you up. I know you're willing. I know your spirit is willing. And I know your flesh is battling. Let me strengthen your spirit so it can dominate your flesh. Do you get it? That garden moment is when God sends help from the sanctuary. Remember David? David penned it in Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob set you securely on high. May he send you help from the sanctuary and support you from Zion. Psalm 28, David said, To you I cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplication when I cry to you. When I lift my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Come on, how many of you know he's the God this morning that sends you help from the sanctuary? The Bible tells me in Psalm 91, he says, well, what? He will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Do you believe the Bible or not? Yes, I do. do you believe he sends help from the sanctuary? I don't know about, I mean, I I believe in angels and I believe he still sends angels. I don't know how many I've seen and I don't know how many I've encountered. I know penny counters one every morning, but other than that, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Can somebody escort him out, please? By the way, Peter did a great job last week. wilderness Jesus is being tempted his flesh is being barraged he's in the wilderness he overcomes the enemy what happens then the devil left him and angels came and began to minister to him Hebrews what does Hebrews tell us about angels and this isn't a message about angels this is a message about the God who sends help from the sanctuary but Hebrews tell us that they're they're ministering spirits sent out to render, render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation Because Jesus went through this place to the cross and rose from the dead, how many know we have an ever abiding presence by the name of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who helps us on a daily basis, who strengthens us on a daily basis, who encourages us on a daily basis. When the enemy comes in, how many know the enemy has a word? How many know that the Holy Spirit has a word for the enemy? It's a moment when you feel all alone, but God meets you there. You see, the garden is a place where heaven ministers to you. And it's not a place. It's a moment I'm talking about where the God of heaven ministers to you directly. It's that moment where maybe you cry yourself to sleep at night. And there's joy in the morning because joy comes in the morning. How many know what I'm talking about? It's when your flesh is crumbling and your spirit is renewed. It's when your heart is broken but your spirit is strong. And it's only the work that God can do it's not a work of the flesh. It's a work of God's spirit. It's the same thing as I've said to you before, that when, whenever Nehemiah looked at the people and said, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. When he says, here, here, you need this. Here, take it. This is yours. It was mine. I'm giving it to you because you need it and it will become your strength. Dick's back there in fear that I'm going to grab his shoulder. <laughs> Do you understand this morning that that's what God does for you? He says, "I got it. It's mine. Here you go. It's yours. Be strengthened. Be renewed." You see, you look at Jesus, and Jesus is going in this great hour, in this great agony, in this great anguish and distress, and his friends aren't with him, and they're, they're trying, but they're sleeping. And God sends help, and God strengthens him. And what happens? You see, it's when you face the challenge, you bear the burden, you carry the weight, and you want to escape it, but you can't escape it. So the God of heaven who loves you sends you help from the sanctuary. He strengthens you. He lifts you up. He gives you strength to overcome the fleshly responses. Because watch what happens. After Jesus was strengthened by the angels, he gets up and he comes back and he finds the guys. and says, come on, let's go. Let's go. This is a settled matter now. My God has met me. My father has met me. My father has strengthened me. He has lifted me up. He has empowered me. Come on, let's go. He says, my betrayer is at hand. Let's face this. Let me endure this. It's that moment when the men of the earth are ministered to by the God of heaven. Many of you have faced The garden, but you haven't stayed long enough for God to show up in the garden. Many of you face the garden, but you haven't stayed long enough for God to strengthen you. We're like Jesus in a way, we come out and we're looking for our friends to do it, and they can't do it, even as well meaning as they want to be. Because how many know they're not there in the deepest, darkest hours? Many of you have faced the biggest challenge of your life and your flesh is screaming out, I want to quit. I want to die. I want to give up. I want to run. And I'm here to tell you today, run. All of a sudden you went, run. Run. Run to the garden. Run to the garden. Because it's there. That the God of heaven will meet you, will minister to you, will love you, will strengthen you. Run to it, not from it. It's not a physical location. It's a spiritual location. Actually, it's a location of spirit and flesh, isn't it? Where your spirit is dying and desiring to do the right thing. And your flesh is crying out to do something else. And then you your cry of your heart is, but God, I just want to do your will. And He sends help from the sanctuary so you can do it. Because you can't do it on your own. It's in the garden where he'll come to you. You'll find strength. You'll find joy. you'll find God. Is God good or what? Is God good or what? I'm not telling you this morning that God, about the God of the Bible. Oh, I am. I'm telling you about my God. I don't know about your God, but I can tell you about my God. How many know my testimony is about my God? This message burned in my heart this week. I was going to do an Easter series, and I texted Troy and said, I'm not feeling it. I'm not doing that. Because I could not get away from coming here today to tell you. That God sees your garden moment. It was to come here today and say, he will meet you in the garden. He will strengthen you in the garden. He will lift you up in the garden. He will send help from the sanctuary. Notice this. The moment never changed for Jesus. Jesus. But God made him for the moment. And your moment may not change, but you'll change and you'll overcome the moment. My God's too good. My God is so good. Father, this morning, Oh God, you're so good. There are many in this room this morning that could testify to the God who sent them help from this sanctuary. There are some this morning that are in that garden moment Even today, Father, encourage them. Strengthen their spirit. Right now, even now as we pray, even now as we speak, even now as we would minister, you're sending help from the sanctuary. That inside of them is something churning. Inside of them is joy that's bubbling up. Inside of them is a strength, a resolve that they did not have when they came in. Jesus went into the garden distressed. And he left the garden determined. he went into the garden looking for a way out of the moment and he left the garden facing the moment it's no accident that the Holy Spirit told Luke to pen those words so an angel came and strengthened him it's no accident Say, well, pastor, how long do I stay in the garden? Let me tell you what I'd do. I'd stay there until God shows up. <laughs> I'd stay there until you're strengthened. Come on, let I me mean, you know what I'm talking about. So, Father, this day, I pray that there's a revelation in His house of how much you love your people how much you desire to lift them up how much you desire to strengthen them how much you desire to help them through moments of life by sending help from the sanctuary when men fail you won't when friends fail you won't When our flesh is failing, you won't. You will empower our spirit and our spirit will dictate to our flesh what it's gonna do. Be strengthened this morning. Be strengthened this morning. I simply speak, be strengthened this morning. Not from the words of a pastor, but be strengthened this morning from words from his sanctuary. With power from his sanctuary, with strength from the sanctuary. Strengthened this morning. May you walk out of here today. May the song of your heart be, My soul, my soul must sing. That yes. others would look at you and they'd say, What happened to you? You say, My God sent me help, my God strengthened me from the sanctuary. may last for the night but joy comes in the morning